Hello and welcome to the Positive Feedback Podcast, a podcast from Creating Chances. Here at Creating Chances, we are a for-purpose social enterprise that aims to empower, inspire and develop young people through our evidence-based best practice programs. This podcast is an extension of that and each week you will be hearing from people within our organisation as well as people from other organisations and walks of life that share the same goal as us to impact and support young people so that they can change the world around them. Through these stories and lived experiences, we hope that you too are inspired to make a positive impact in the world around you. On today's episode, Rob chats to Isan Popol. Isan is the co-founder of T3 Australia, a grassroots football coaching organisation. The two discuss having a collaborative approach between coach and parent, the process of becoming more confident in your own abilities, and how to find the balance between competing in and enjoying sports. Enjoy the episode. Good to have you here. Thanks for joining me today. Now, thanks for inviting us, uh, Rob, and the Creating Chances um, you know, organization. It's great. So, no, really delighted to be here. Uh, so, yeah, I'll kick it off. So, today I'm joined by Isan Popple, co-founder of T3 Australia, coaching extraordinaire. And what T3 is, is it's a grassroots football organization that works around Sydney, Melbourne, and I believe you also have roots in Japan, if I'm correct, with Tom Bayer. That's correct. So, Robert, I don't know if it's my end or your end. It's just a little bit laggy, but I, I think I got the last bit of that question. Um, but, um, yeah, no, we um, maybe did you want me to start off to talk about a little bit about T3? Um, so, sort of do you mind telling just a little bit about yourself, Ethan? So just, uh, yeah, who you are? Yeah, sure, sure. Your sort of background? Yeah, sure. So, um, yeah, look, I'm, I'm 32 years old. Um, you know, I'm a dad, husband, so I've got a little daughter who's um, just about to hit two years old. Um, in terms of my background, I, I wasn't born in Australia. I was actually born in Afghanistan. Some people don't pick that up. But, um, yeah, I came across to Australia, I think, when I was five years old. And, yeah, I suppose... Um, yeah, I've played football all my life. Um, you know, played at local level and then started to go to rep level around 12, 13. And um, yeah, I've, uh, I studied business, sports business at school. And that's where I went my co-founder and colleague, Matt Sim there. But yeah, I'm a guy that, uh, you know, loves being outdoors and, you know, enjoying what we have out there and pretty laid back. I like to think chilled. I've chilled sometimes, but yeah, hopefully that gives a little, little introduction about myself and my interests. Nice, no, thanks, Ethan. Can you still hear me? Is it any better now? Yeah, it's good. It's, it's, no, no, it's good. It was just a bit laggy here and there, but it's, it's fine, yeah. Okay, perfect. So I was hoping, yeah, thanks for talking to me yourself. I want you to sort of start where it began with your coaching journey. Yeah, it's, I think it was by coincidence because I finished, so when I was in year 12, I, um, I was playing soccer at, um, at a good level and but it was really hard trying to juggle the HSC. And <laughs> consequently, my parents were on my back always, oh, what are you going to do at university? And I, I really wholeheartedly didn't know. So I probably, I didn't get the marks, I suppose, to get to what my parents wanted um, or, or what sort of expectations were. So I sort of fell into an opportunity to go into coaching and doing sports business um, at the ACPE. I don't know if there's anyone who goes to ACPE and, they're quite easy going with, you know, UAO marks and then what's on. So, but, so I, 
went into that and I naturally just fell into it. I didn't think the year 12 I'd do it, but then in, and then I had an advertisement out there on the notice board about um, coaching and there was a group called Motivate Sports who are still around and they're one of the leading multi-sport organisations that I got involved at 18 years old and yeah, the David, who's the founder and the current yeah, CEO and, and what's on, he said, you're pretty good at this. And I, I, to be honest, I love working with kids. I just sort of found that I can be who I want to be and, yeah. you know, express how I am normally. It wasn't, you know, anything. And I just found it very natural. So I got involved at 18 years old working for a multi-sport organization. Yeah. So it's interesting you say that, Aisam, because my coaching journey almost started in a similar way. But at mm. the end of university, where I, yeah. you know, I found Football United just as an internship. I didn't know, I hadn't heard of it before, didn't know what yeah. it was, and just joined up. And then, yeah. you know, two, three years later, Stuart's introducing me to yourself, and then that's mm. how I got involved with T3. And you know, I loved it ever since. I still remember rocking up that first day at Taramara. <laughs> uh, I wasn't sure what I was really doing. You just said, "Yeah, come along. Just take these mm. group of year eight, or well, these are under eights, under nines, and we'll let you know how it goes." Thankfully, it went well, and yeah, now I'm, I'm coaching, you know, the under-13, tonight under-15 for real, thanks to T3. No, mate, it's, I think which you, it's sometimes by coincidence that you fall into something that you might not think you're, you know, designed for, and um, yeah, I think we, we've got a lot of synergies, myself and you, about falling into that coaching, right? So, it's, I yeah. still remember when you rocked up, and yeah, I was like, oh, I reckon Rob, because, you know, does work with older kids. I don't know he's going to go with younger kids, but to be honest, I think you're very, very good, even if they're you know, the youngest of kids. So, yeah, it's, it's sometimes by accident you sort of fall into what you what you really like. But now, now these days, we've got more support to actually, you know, not rely on chance and more probability and more uh, calculation. Yeah, absolutely. So, thanks for that, Ethan. So, were there any specific factors that motivated you to develop T3? And I guess... With that, do you want to share a little bit more about the organization itself? Yeah, it's funny you mention that because last night, um, as, as you guys know, there's my colleague, Matt Seaman. Matt, I, I want to mention because he we started our journey in university and he he said, like, we were both playing an MPL level and he was probably doing better than I did. And, you know, I, I probably was getting a level where I had some challenges, but we're around, what, 20, so T3, basically 10 years next year. But... In, in a nutshell, while we were at university, we thought, let's go try coaching and coaching ourselves and um, running our own thing. And, and it was basically because we, when we sort of talked football, we'd always bag the Socceroos and we'd bag Australian football and we weren't happy with it, essentially. So we said, how about we stop the sort of bagging and, and what's going and go out there and actually, you know, make a change. And so we decided to do that. So we've got a bag of balls and we went to a local community club and we said, how would you go if we were to coach you, um, your juniors, and, you know, we could get paid for it um, for that time. So, and it wasn't a volunteer sort of <clears throat> capacity because, you know, we gave them a, a, a bit more than that. And they, they jumped on it because um, there's not really nothing like it out there. So, no, and that was at Mount Cola. And um, so, you know, guys like Steve Lumley, um, who's, in an inspirational individual, he crossed to Hornsby Heights and and Barrera and other clubs. Um, so, yeah, it's um, that's how we started. It was just an idea where we were frustrated, you know, with something that we were very passionate about, which was football. 
And we thought the only way we can actually you know, minimize those frustrations actually going out there and doing something about it. Yeah, because I really love the culture that you've developed with T3, in particular in trying to bridge the gap between representative football and sort of the grassroots level, you know, raising everyone up from the bottom is what I really loved about T3. Yeah, thanks for that. Yeah, look, I suppose, and it, I suppose T3, yeah, we're, we're an organization and we're not an academy, you know, we're, we're really looking at the grassroots and grassroots by definition is at local level. So the idea sort of spooked when uh, on social media where we were quite active, um, I think it was in 2013, because we started in 2011. So in 2013, we, we came across an article looking into Japanese football and um, what we saw was why, you know, the Japanese are really developing, you know, very good players, very technical players, you know, very naively. We said, is it genetics or is it this and all that? And I mean that with all due respect, but the answer was, you know, we, we saw this article and it's by a guy called Tom Byer, who now we work with. And the big success that they've had over the years was they've looked to, to, to make the top better, the cream of the crop, to make, to make them better, you need to work at the bottom level and minimize the gap between the less skilled and the highly skilled. And, and we just said, wow, that's us. You know, uh, we're not just working with top, top players. We've given an opportunity at community level. How can we impact community level? And that's where the idea of let's make community clubs stronger. So it makes MPL rep clubs stronger and minimize the gap. And now it's really coming together Yeah. So from my experience working with T3, you know, grassroots football in clubs, you know, there's a, quite a lot of parent involvement. What do you think is the importance of having parent engagement in coaching? Well, first and foremost, parents spend the most amount of time with kids. So they're the gatekeepers. They're the ones that, you know, can have the most amount, most effect. They can also have equally the most amount of damage um, on a child. So, you know, when you're looking at the key stakeholders of a child and their key touch points, you've got the coach, you've got the parent, you've got the club, you've got the peers, you've got the friends, you've got everything. But the most important one is the parent. And traditionally sport, I think, you know, if you look at it, um, is trying to find ways to educate parents to let go and let their children, which is great. But ultimately, we sort of reversed that and said we're trying to bring parents in and make them the key um, in their child's development from a you know, taking initiative, um, from a convenience factor in the sense that development can be convenient inside the house or, or what's on. Um, parents are the key, it really are. If you look at, uh, this is just a little side, if you look at the best players in the world, any sport, male, female, um, they'll attribute a lot of their success um, to a parent um, or to a sibling. So family and parents are very, very important, a focal part of our philosophy. Yeah. So I really like when you mentioned that, you know, the positive, it can also have a negative, I guess. For any parent coaches that are in here now that might watch this, do you have any advice you might give to them? Yeah, look, it's advice, but there's, there's, there's all kinds of advice you can give him. You know, if, if a parent coach is coaching, you know, there's specific advice there. If, if a parent is not coaching, um, you know, there's, there's different kinds of advice, but it, it depends really on what, I suppose, what specifically do you want? Are you, is the question more attributed to, do you want the, are, are you asking uh, as a parent, is my kid going to be a professional footballer or, or how do I make my kid more skillful? Like that, you, it, it, the more specific, I suppose, we can be on it, the better. But ultimately, the general advice there for most parents, uh, you know, from our point of view is 
create a foundation for them um, where kids can be intrinsically motivated, right? So they're not so reliant on T3 or reliant on, um, you know, a club and what's on end. It's that old, you know, can we get him in the backyard and play? So that, that's our general message, general message to parents. Um, you know, provide that foundation to your kids. Yeah. So that foundation would tie into the culture. And so which goes into my next question is, you know, one of the most successful, or one of the main factors behind successful teams, such as Liverpool, is, you know, their great culture that has been developed, particularly since, you know, Jurgen Klopp, their coach and manager. But what do you think is the role of a coach in developing a positive culture within a team? The role of a coach, if you look at even at a professional level, they're like a CEO, right? They, they need to manage everything around them. So ultimately the user, which is the, the, the player, right? They, they're happy, right? So um, the role of a coach is just to ensure that, you know, primarily they're the caretaker, right? So everything that they touch, um, as for such, figuratively speaking, you know, that they can impact has a positive impact. So ultimately like our, our role as a coach is to ensure kids arrive at a session enthusiastically um, during the session they're enthusiastic and they leave enthusiastically so the, the important part for us is um, and then as a coach so you look at there's three different layers there before the session you know that's away from the field during the session on the field and after is a balance of during and after the session so the role of the coach is um, to ensure on and off the field that they can you know really I suppose, create a really good environment for those kids um, so that, that they keep coming back and they keep enjoying it. Yeah, and I think that's, you know, particularly important at the grassroots level. You know, with, oh, 100%. When, particularly for me when I, was, when I was doing it. With under sixes and under eights, especially in that age group I found, you've got to make, like, you've got to make the session fun. Because that's when the learning, like, they have fun unless they learn through that. Like, oh, 100%, 100%. It's a... Uh, if you look at the stats, I think between the ages of 9, 10, 11, if you look at all the annual reports of football, Israel, football Victoria, there's a big drop off. Uh, and I think 25% of participants from winter go to summer sport, so summer futsal. That's still for me not enough, right? How, what can we do to ensure that these kids enjoy football so they're playing outside of that 16-week season? So, yeah, you're right. The, the, the intrinsic motivation, the happiness is very, very important. Um, and that's where the coach comes into it. So obviously T3 sort of has the most success with youth development at the grassroots level in terms of the players. But one thing I've noticed as well is it also develops coaches. You know, you've got coaches that maybe be only 16, 17 years old. How is it watching the newest generation of coaches coming up and, you know, developing under T3? Yeah, it's really good. Um, you know, the idea of it, because now we're going to 10 years, the idea of being youth coaches is, is a balance of two things. One, from my experience at Motivate Sports when I worked there, they had a lot of up and coming. So they had students that would actually do the program right up until 12, but they still wanted to be connected with that organization. And so they had a system where um, it was really good with those, those students who had the experience can then share their experience with you know the up and coming students. So we, we thought we would get something similar going and we started this around seven, eight years ago. And yeah, the... The experience has been really good. We, you know, we've made mistakes, we've done good things, but ultimately it's the way of the future. The the workforce is, you know, and I say with all respect, getting quite young. You know, there's young ones that want to put their hand up and they want to get their hands dirty and get out there and work and make an impact. So, you know, if you've got 
someone like that, be it whatever age they are, um, we'll give him everything. And um, yeah, it's, it's, it's been really good. Like I'll use an example. I don't know if he's out there, but Nick Finelli, he's one of our coaches and he was one of our students when we first started at Mount Cole. And now he's 19 years old and he's coaching with us and very educated, very articulated and a top coach. Um, I, I sort of put it out there and I go, find me a better coach. Um, he'll tell you all the formations and the tactics. And if we didn't have that model, that youth development model, you know, would we have, you know, have a Nick Finelli out there? So it's been positive, yeah. Yeah. That has a lot of similarities or similarities rather between T3, Football United, creating chances with that youth development from a coaching perspective as well. You know, creating mm. chances, we run a, it's called a creating coaches program where we train up, you know, a group of year eight through to year 10. And then we take them over to the local primary school and they sort of run the, the sessions. And fantastic. Yeah, I, I think it's brilliant. Because I think, as you said, that's the most important thing. You know, these, these are, this is the next generation of coaches. We've got to make sure that we're preparing them and giving them the opportunity. No, fantastic. It's, it's great. Yeah, like it, it also moves the traditional beliefs of, you know, the job for the 14, 15-year-olds. Uh, I still remember throwing newspapers in front of um, houses at night and getting chased by dogs and, and working at Domino's Pizza when I was 14, 15. But it, it also... Coaching is just something else, right? The skills that you pick up at coaching, interpersonal skills, communication, and, you know, thinking on the spot. It's not for everybody, but at least it's, an, it's another avenue now that I dare say me and you probably didn't have um, when we were growing up as, as 14, 15, 16-year-olds because it was always Maccas or somewhere else you had to go work. Yeah, I, I always felt like one of the older people with T3, you know, being in my, my <laughs> mid to late 20s. And all these amazing coaches in the, in the early 20s. I mean, it's great to see. And me, you know, going to these sessions. I learned from them on top of giving, you know, give and take yeah. relationships in terms of you know, learning and developing with the fellow coaches. And I think that's what makes you a really good coach, Rob. You know, you've got a real good sense of humility that the fact that you just said, I'm learning from younger people and you're, you're open about that. And I think that's, that's a really important trait of a coach to be open and humble and, you know, um, yeah, that, that, that's awesome to hear, Rob. Thanks, Aikman. So one of, the, one of the other things that makes a great coach is, I feel, is you know, learning from challenges. Because not everything is going to always go your way, I guess. You, can you share any experiences where you've faced a challenge as a coach? <laughs> yeah, because my, my role now, I probably, I don't coach as much. I sort of, I do sort of similar to Brad does at Creating Chances and, you know, sort of oversee stuff. But I'll, I'll share a couple of experiences. So as a coach, um, one thing, I remember when I first started, I coached a team that came dead last, right? But my technical director always said to me, and this was outside of T3 before we started T3, but he always told me that I'm a good coach. I'm doing the right thing. But it didn't equate to me because I didn't see the results. So I only sort of, and I stressed over that for years because the perception that I coached a team that came last carried me for many years, right? And I always thought that, okay, well, I don't know. I'm not a good coach. What are others going to perceive? And but ultimately, as years went on, the more I educated became and understood how the process actually works, um, it became not irrelevant as such, but it, it, you know, I got the monkey off my back as such because I found that at that age group, there was many variables, as many things you know, that contributed to that. Um, some were out of my control. Um, ultimately, <laughs> could I have lifted that team from not coming dead last? Yeah, I could have. But I, the part of it is that 
it's a marathon. It's definitely not a sprint. It's going to take a while to get to where you are. Some coaches are lucky. They start their first year of coaching. They get an awesome bunch of kids. Um, and I'm not devaluing the kids that I have, but um, they get an awesome bunch of kids and they win it and they come first. And then they're like, well, I'm a super coach. But then there's other coaches that go through a lot of struggle. And those ones that can accept that struggle is part of the journey um, will ultimately, I think, be the better coaches. So I think that was a big challenge when my first year, I just went straight into when football news was bought staff and this was before T3, I, I came dead last. And it just, it carried me for years and years. I was embarrassed to tell anyone that I coached that team or even named the team. But ultimately I learned to accept it and use it as fuel for motivation to become better. Yeah, nice. Because yeah, I've only just started, I'm sort of new on my coaching journey myself. I've worked with Football United and uh, T3 for two, three years now but more of the grassroots with T3, but now I've started actually coaching them on the 13, under 15 Super League mm. sides. Again, mm. thanks to T3 giving me that opportunity. But I wanted to ask, you know, for myself and for others, is there any sort of advice that you give to aspiring coaches? On top of what um, already mentioned? Like in terms of challenges? Yeah, or, and just any sort of advice that you can give to aspiring coaches? Yeah, definitely. I, I think... If you're working at, say, Rob's level at 12, 12, 13 years old, um, you're going to... That's all good. So if you're working at the 12, 13 age group, it's a very tricky age group because um, the kids are introduced into results. And so you've got to look at it. You're going to have the parents, you're going to have the club, you're going to have... And there's going to be an expectation that these kids do well, right? Um, You need to set some expectations at the start of the year as a coach, right? And they, I know it's, I know it's, we've got to worry about results and they've got to do well. We understand that, but you really need to calculate and manage the expectations of people around you because you've got to be very careful as an up and coming coach and say, we're going to go out there and we're going to smash it and win it and what's on because it can bite you back very quickly. And before you know it, you've got all the parents, all the kids, uh, so all the, of the club committee all behind your back, right? Because you've given an expectation. So manage expectations. That's a really important point. Um, you know, number two, you know, and part of managing expectations, number two is also just block out, you know, perceptions. Don't worry what other people think, right? Because then you're ultimately building your philosophy, you know, sort of building maybe their expectations. So that, that's a key thing. And number three is just learn. You're going to make mistakes. It's going to be up and down. There's no chance that you're going to have a, you know, a season without any challenges. So, I think that's really, really important. You know, those things, that's, that's my biggest advice. Just manage expectations. Not, not saying that, hey, we're going to go out there and finish last, that's okay. But just really important for aspiring coaches now because everyone's looking at Pep Guardiola, Jurgen Klopp, Liverpool and all this. And they don't realise that a lot of these guys went through a lot. And, and sometimes it's got to do elements of luck in that. So, yeah. Yeah, thanks, Ethan. That's something that I've, I've been watching myself carefully, making sure that, yeah, you don't start talking too much to the parents in terms of, yeah, we're going to, you know, we're going to win the comp, we're going to do this, we're going to do that. Sort of just managing, how I find it is just managing each session as it goes. Just having a vision in terms of how I want my team to play and then developing each session solely around that. You know, developing from week to week, you know, building. That's how yeah, I 100%. Sort of to it, yeah. 100%. You know, we learn, we learn, we learn, sorry, I was just going to say, we just, we learn a lot from... Oh, sorry, because it's lagging. I, I didn't hear you. But um, we learned a lot going to Japan. And when we go to Japan and we coach, we see how 
um, we see a big sense of humility there with their coaches. Very humble. Uh, they don't talk much. The parents, you know, are there on what's on. I, I like parents behind my back, you know, yelling. I don't mind, right? I love the atmosphere, I love the energy. But ultimately, um, just just it's always about managing yourself and how much communication you have and how much time you actually have for yourself to think, right? And one thing I learned about from the Japanese, I remember coaching just, I just always felt the coaches were assured of themselves, right? And you just get that sense of them, even talking to them, you know, very organized and, and what's on, yeah. Yeah. One of the main ways I make sure yeah, to feel more sure of myself is, as you said, you're being organized, having a plan, making sure that every single session, you're not just rocking up, being like, I'm not sure what I'm doing, making sure you mm -hmm. have a set plan. That's mm -hmm. what I always make sure. So, Ethan, my last question for you is, what is the future looking like for both yourself and T3? It's funny, we're hitting 10 years next year, but I feel like we've started again, right? We, I feel like every day is the first day that we've ever, you know, we start, we're a startup again, right? But the, the key thing for us is that we want to have hubs around all of Australia. So we're in Melbourne now, so we're in Victoria, New South Wales, now going to Wollongong. We want to have the right hubs, community hubs that believe in what guys. We don't want to go out there with a group every club. We're about working with the right hubs who want to advance football. Um, I think we'd be very, very grateful. We've been, I say with a lot of gratitude, we've been highlighted in the media, we've been highlighted by even the Federation sort of prospective associations that we're doing the right thing. I know we're an external provider, but you know, people are starting to look at what we do. So we want to make enough noise to eventually realize our dreams, better Matildas and Socceroos by having these community hubs all around Australia. And um, and it's really exciting with Tom Bayer. We're doing a lot of he's doing a lot of work in the US and Asia about growing this, you know, home football culture. Football starts at home. So we're getting more involved in that. So that's the future, yeah. Very similar again to creating chances. We're looking to expand uh, out, you know, out west, you know, down and down south in Victoria as well. And I look forward to working, you know, with both T3 and creating chances, hoping to expand both organisations. But uh, to anyone in chat, does anyone have any questions for Ethan? We'll do a quick little Q and A for a couple of minutes. Ethan, feel free to if you've got anything else you'd like to add. But again, I want to thank you for joining me today. It's been a good chat. No, thanks. Thanks, Rob. It's, it's been awesome. Um, yeah, and the Credit Chances are a great organization. We truly believe in what you guys do and the work you do at schools. I think, um, you know, I I bounced down in a couple of high schools, but, you know, I know what some of those rough high schools are like. And I say that for <laughs> due respect all time, but, you know, there's not, we've got to be brutally honest, equality doesn't exist along all the schools, you know, equality of resources, equality of you know, certain things, and it's just the way it is. But you guys are really leveling the playing field with resources for education, sport, and it's just awesome what you guys are doing. Yeah, I appreciate that, Ethan. Again, that's one of the reasons why I've been working with Creating Chance for three, four years. You know, going to different areas in Sydney, New South Wales, even you're up Central Coast, Lake Macquarie, mm. running programs up there. And similar to with T3, it's trying to sort of balance the grassroots level and the rep level. Same with creating chances, is trying to balance, you know, the opportunities that students are afforded in schools, regardless of, you know, what area they're growing up in. That, that's right, yeah. Opportunity is key, yeah. That's it. So, oh, yeah, so we've got a question from Eve here. Of course, you know, Eve, so how do you see the announcement of Australia and New Zealand hosting the Women's World Cup in 2023? I think it's almost, you know, I, and 
it's it's really I find it it's just so scary in the sense of like I just it's hard to describe like it's just just so perfect for Australia at the moment and I think it's also perfect just for the rest of the world to see Australia and as an example right um, for a lot of things even outside of sport um, it's no secret there's a lot of challenge at the you know, at the at the female side of sport from just basic things inclusion and and what's on and I I just I can't comprehend certain things that why it's not necessarily, you know, there should be equal things out there. And I think Australia will really prove um, right, not just for Australian football, for the rest of the world. I think they're going to really, and because we're in the Asian um, Confederation, I know the Asian Confederation really have a lot of respect for Australia, you know, the JFA and all these guys. So it's going to be awesome. I think it's going to, it's just going to get more girls playing, 100% more girls playing. Um, and hopefully, from a high performance level, there's going to be a lot of pressure on the Matildas to go out there and win it, right? So they're going to have to really get the tactical side and technical side and all that sorted out. But also geopolitically, I think it's just going to have a massive impact. And I just, I know we're biased, but there's no better host <laughs> than, oh, than us to really represent. It's going to be great. Yeah. To represent, yeah, just sport and, and everything. All right. So, yeah, I just wanted to thank you again for your time today, Ethan. I look forward to continuing, you know, the build the relationship between T3 and creating chances. And yeah, I just want to wish you all the best again. So this was Ethan Popple, co-founder of T3. We look forward to seeing you again in the future. Awesome. Thanks, Rob. Thanks, Eve. And thanks, Stuart and Brad um, at Football United and Creating Chances. Keep up the great work. Hopefully you enjoyed today's episode of the Positive Feedback Podcast. If you want to hear more amazing stories, head on over and subscribe to our podcast feed on Spotify and iTunes. And if you want to hear more about the work that Creating Chances is doing, follow us on Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram. Thank you so much for listening, and we hope to see you next time on the Positive Feedback Podcast.